0: Hi, welcome to the Book of Medora, the podcast where we discuss Zelda lore. I'm Crystal, and with me as always is Cameron. Hi. But we've also got someone else with us today. Hello. Hi, Monica.
1: What's going on, Crystal?
0: Uh, I don't know. We're going to talk about a Zelda game uh, called The Legend of Zelda, The Seeds of the Mysterious Tree Chapter of Space-Time.
1: I don't know if I know that Also known
0: as Oracle of Ages.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, that's the, uh, that, hmm. I still don't know how I feel about
2: these super illustrative versions. I'm sure they're much more succinct in Japanese.
0: Well, I can I can justify that translation. I have a document here. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the uh, Seeds of the Mysterious Tree is fushigi no ki no mi. Fushigi meaning, like, mysterious or wondrous, and no being the possessive particle, uh-huh. and ki being tree, and mi being seed, fruit, or nut. So how would you translate that?
2: Well, that's, I guess this sounds fine
0: so far. Yeah, and then chapter of space-time is Jiku no show. Jiku meaning space-time, being the literal combination of the words for time and space, and show meaning chapter. Hmm, I guess
2: this is the problem of transliteration versus translation, because that's a very good transliteration of that title. Uh-huh.
1: Mysterious space-time tree-nut.
2: Mysterious space-time tree-nut. <laughs> they, they have an item in the game called mystery seeds, which are plot-critical. Right. Right. So just That's say why they were translated that way. Mystery seeds of time or some crap. I don't know. I'm not a title person.
0: Well, you have to gather the essences of time so you can get the the deck the big maku seed. Right. And those are the, the mysterious seeds of the title. Right. So all the
2: mystery seeds in this
0: game are
2: uh, plot critical, and there's actually a subplot early on where you meet the villain pulling off her evil plan, sort of, because she's gathering up all the mystery seeds. Yeah, what is the plot of this game? Uh, Okay, so it starts off a lot like Oracle of Ages, it does, and uh, basically Link is told by the Triforce that it's got a job for him, and it flings him into this foreign land. Uh, I can't remember how we agreed to pronounce it last time. Labrina. Okay, yeah, we'll go with Labrina. And um, so... He's in La Brenna, and he meets, a little bit different from Oracle of Seasons, is that he meets Impa first, sort of a callback to earlier games, I guess. And Impa's a little bit different in this one. She's blue for some reason. And, well, it's the blue game. Yeah, it's, it's the blue version. Right, it's the blue version. Yeah. So you get blue Impa, as opposed to red Impa in Oracle of Seasons, because that's what that was. And, uh, no, I mean, her skin is blue. Oh, well, is it the same Impa? Oh, it's totally the same Impa. Well, how do we know that? Well, it, because, but we'll get there. We're going to get to it in okay. just a second. So, you have, she wants to go to the house of the Oracle of Ages, who's Nehru. And you know right out the bat that she's the Oracle of Ages. Impa just tells you. And she needs help getting through this forest. And in particular, she needs you to get past this sacred barrier for her. Because somebody asking you to get past a sacred barrier on their behalf has never been a problem or indicative of bad tidings in any way. So, you get past the sacred barrier, and you go find Nehru, and she's being attended by this uh, Capcom game protagonist named Ralph. And she's singing to all these animals, because she's just Marin again. And, uh... When you get within range of her, Impa's like, no, I was actually an evil sorceress the entire time who has possessed Impa, and I couldn't get past that sacred barrier until you let me get past it, you foolish child. And then she turns into a big scary fireball and possesses Nehru and travels back in time. And that's how the game oh, starts. Oh, so
0: it's another time travel game. They did that again. Yeah. But, I mean, like, this one does a lot with
2: it, really. It feels a lot more like Link to the Past in terms of how it's constructed, because it it the past world is almost more of a dark world.
0: Yeah, this was the game. I kind of conflated both this and Oracle of Seasons in my head, uh, because this game kind of has all the story that Oracle of Seasons doesn't.
2: Yeah, it does. It has all the characters, too.
0: Uh-huh. It, Oracle of Seasons is more about exploring a dead world, like Breath of the Wild and The Legend of Zelda 1, and Oracle of Ages is where they have a story and characters and NPCs and quests.
1: I definitely felt like it was like the more recent Zeldas in that respect.
0: That does make a certain
2: amount of sense. You can feel Fujibayashi's uh, fingerprint here a lot more firmly.
1: Did you know this was the first Zelda game he was involved with?
2: This one specifically? Do you mean Oracle
0: of Ages as opposed to Seasons? The
1: Oracle games in particular.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, I I, I think we did. Did we
2: discuss that in the last episode?
0: Yeah, he was involved with these, and the next game, Four Swords, and the Minish Cap. I totally listened to that.
2: You did? No, I did. Okay. So, yeah, this is, uh, it's interesting because you can see, uh, certain ways that he handles some characters, um, I don't know how much of the writing he actually did, but Ralph feels a lot like a character from a more latter-day Zelda now. He feels relatively modern. Uh, Do you remember Ralph, Crystal?
0: Yeah, Ralph is the wizard boy. Is he a wizard? He dresses like a wizard. He he does dress like a wizard. I was
2: just thinking he dresses like an asshole.
0: Well, all wizards are assholes. Okay, yeah. Makes sense. Especially in this series.
2: Yeah, they are almost universally assholes. But he's not really an asshole. He's just, uh... He just has some very hard-line ideas about how you should protect the women in your life. And... He runs around like a chicken with his head cut off for the entirety of the game, shows up during uh, plot-critical moments to yell at you in a way that sort of gives you hints about what you need to do next, and then runs off, and it's not clear what he's doing at any particular moment.
0: He kind of looks like a jerk in his official art. He does. He looks like a character that friend of the show Molly would like.
1: He's a dumb boy character that's not as cool as Link.
0: Oh. Uh Uh-huh.
2: Yep, accurate. Yeah, I mean, that's not wrong. He, he feels a lot more... Lo- I was thinking this morning that Ralph feels like the uh, version of Link that we would get if they suddenly decided that Link would talk. Uh... <laughs> Neither one of us is a fan of the idea of Link uh, being a voiced character, so to speak. Uh, Link ha- Link is a voiced character. No, I mean, like, getting the speechy dialogue speech. It just comes... Ralph feels sort of like an early aughts version of what that character could be.
0: A Capcom protagonist, as you said before. Yeah,
2: definitely a Capcom protagonist. So, you you go back in time trying to chase Nehru, right? And Ralph never actually quite blames you for what's going down, even though you're the one who got uh, the evil sorceress Varon. Do you say Varon or Varen? Varen. Varen. Oh, God damn it. Okay, so you're the one who gets Varen past the uh, Sacred Barrier. And this whole thing is very much your fault, but Ralph never really blames you for it because sorceresses and wizards and shit, they're just real tricky in this setting. So you chase Varen back in time, and uh, she has... By the time you show up, she's messed things up enormously. I guess you show up like a few weeks ...or at least a few days after she's been there. And you appear in a much older version of Labrina. ...that it's never quite clear how far back you are... ...but it's to the tune of centuries.
1: 400 years.
2: Oh, is it 400 years? Okay, well, I forget shit and Monica doesn't... ...and that's why she's on the podcast. Um, so, you're 400 years back... ...and Varen's been there for slightly longer than you have... ...and she's caused some political upheaval... By using her time magic to become ingratiated to the existent royal family of Labrina from 400 years ago. Uh, What was the queen's name again? Ambi? Ambi. Ambi. Okay, we'll go with Ambi. And uh, so what Nehru has done is... Well, what Varen, in the form of Nehru, has done is get in close with the queen. Because the queen is trying to build a black tower. And Varen, using Nehru's powers over time, which seem different from Din's powers over the seasons, by the way, uh, is able to create a day that never ends, which lets the townspeople, who have been effectively enslaved by Ambi, continue to build Ambi's Black Tower. And the reason that Ambi is building a Black Tower is because her lover sailed out to sea and never returned. And she wants to gain as high a vantage point as possible so she can watch for him. But Varen wants the Black Tower to be completed because when it is completed, for whatever reason, it will usher in an age of despair. Oh, okay, what does it mean that she made a day that never ends? I think there's actually a specific line said by one of the villagers in, uh, is it Town? Uh... Where they mention that the sun has not gone down for two or three days.
0: I, okay. I understand the child fairy tale logic of, oh, if the day never ends and they're just gonna work all day. But also, that's, that's, that doesn't, that's not how that works. (laughs) They'd still get tired and have to sleep.
2: You'd think they have hourglasses or something. Well, I mean, like, if you're an evil despot who's controlling time magic, then maybe they can also make it so people don't need to sleep. Maybe in Labrina, you only have to sleep at night.
0: Okay, so it's it's an infinite day, not only because the sun doesn't go down, but because they have infinite daytime energy.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're miserable and they hate it, but they don't seem to be collapsing too much. Why doesn't she just make it so they're not miserable? Uh, Because that's not time magic. Okay. And uh, so uh, one of the interesting things uh, that happens here is that before, I think it's before you go back in time the first time, is that the present time gets completely jacked up. People start disappearing or turning into different people. There's one grandmother who starts wailing because her grandson has been turned to stone somehow. I don't know what changes Varen made in the past to turn this child into a rock, but it happened. And Oh, that just means he's dead.
0: That's what happens when you die. You just turn to stone? Yeah, like Vegeta. God. Okay, yeah. He, so he, When he all di- your life force is drained away, you turn to stone.
2: Like Vegeta. Uh-huh. Okay, so all of his life force was drained away and he turned to stone like Vegeta. And, or like Ash Ketchum. Oh, God. This is a repeating motif. Yeah, this is a thing. Oh, shit. Okay. Anyway, that kid's fucking dead, mm-hmm. and it's not clear what Farron did to make this child suddenly die right there, but. Uh,
1: but the grandma knows.
2: Yeah, the grandma remembers her grandson. So it's like, and people seem to remember what they were before sometimes. But the Maku tree, who is uh, female in this game, and she's drawn uh, very cute compared to the masculine Maku tree of Oracle of seasons because she has no nose and she has big anime eyes. Um, she starts to disappear too. And she's like, oh shit, something's happening in the past, but I don't know what it is. So you have to go back into the past and you find the baby maku tree and she's being attacked by moblins and you kill the moblins and you save the maku tree. And the maku tree says that when she grows up, she's going to marry you.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This. So the Maku Tree is supposed to be a child in this game. Uh,
2: no. That in, in that one sequence, she's a child. She looks a lot like the Deku Tree Sprout from After the Forest Temple and Ocarina of Time.
0: Okay. But, oh, right, yes. This is in the past. Yes,
2: yeah, this is in the past. You have to go back into the past and kill some Moblins who are trying to murder the Maku Tree Sprout. That makes sense. And, uh, oh god, you've already pulled... Monica's already pulled up the text dump on her phone in case we need to reference it. Oh yeah, I have the text dump on. Yeah, I suppose I probably should too, but again, that's why she's here. Um, And yeah, that's one of the things, the early characterization in this game that got to me, it's like, oh, so you go back to the present to talk to the maku tree because the adult maku tree knows what's up and her memory of the event is slightly different from the way that it happened because she's the one who said that she wanted to marry you when she grew up But as an adult tree, I want to stress the phrase adult tree, uh, she remembers you promising to marry her when she
0: came of age. I don't think that's a time memory thing. I think that's just her either, if not willfully tricking you, then her memory changing just over the course of memories changing. Oh yeah, definitely.
2: That's absolutely what's going on here. It's just played for comedic purposes that this tree wants to kiss on Link.
1: He liked him better, her better than the other maku tree.
0: It, it, yeah, Cameron, you hated the other maku tree. That dude a piece sucked. of shit who slept all day and didn't do anything. That's
2: exactly what the problem was. And it's like, in some ways,
0: I much prefer the feminine maku tree.
2: I mean, she's much more active and she's better about telling you what's up. But uh, on the other hand, the thing where she wants to marry you is just weird. Uh-huh. It's a weird thing. I didn't even know trees had marriage. I did Didn't either. It seems bizarre. So, as has been mentioned before, uh, you need to pick up all the essences of time to give you enough control over time that you can go up against Nehru's powers as controlled by Varen. Or at least that's how I understood this part of the plot.
1: The essences make no sense. No? No. How do you mean? They're they're strange thematically.
2: Okay. Give me one of them.
1: The eternal spirit, even after life ends, it speaks across time to the heart.
2: Yeah, oh man. that When I read that one, I had to stop and put down the 3DS for a minute because I was like, what is this fucking... I don't understand. It was... Uh, there's, some, there, there's some dialogue in this game that is extremely odd and plays a little bit darker than you would expect out of a handheld Zelda, but it's like in a really goofy way. Like, there's that kid whose father... That kid in the past whose father has been enslaved to construct the Black Tower and he says that, well, he or she, the kids aren't really gendered, but the kid says that they can only treat the turmoil in their heart by sitting in the darkness. Oh, God. Okay. No, hold on. There's a specific line that this kid says. I know I can find it. Turmoil...
0: There's a turmoil here. Uh, sitting in the darkness. Darkness. Ha.
2: Only the darkness can ease my heart. I guess laughing my troubles away is just a dream
0: deferred. Okay. What the fuck is this? <laughs> it's a Dark Souls NPC. It is a Dark Souls NPC.
2: This little bastard grows up to be the Crestfallen Knight. Or whoever. So, you know that you're going through all of this and you're trying to pick up, uh, the essences of time, uh the exact powers of which are not wholly clear and are never made completely clear over the course of the game, I don't think. Like, you know why you're getting them. To go after Varen, to go up against Nehru. How did Din's control over the Seasons work in Oracle of Seasons?
1: We don't really see it.
2: Does she just use the Rod of Seasons?
1: I, I don't think we see it at all, but I could be remembering wrong. But
2: be- Because when uh, Anox... Uh, captures din he also sinks the temple of seasons which is what causes the seasons to go awry and it seems like the temple of seasons itself is more like the nexus that keeps the seasons under control most of the time and uh din is more of a caretaker for the temple and possibly the rod but Nehru just controls time and can travel through it under her own power yeah
0: din can make it snow if she wanted could she Presumably. I don't... She could swing the rod and uh, make the leaves fall off.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, like anybody can swing a stick. Presumably. Uh, So anyway, yeah. You you go through and you have to fight some... uh, Fight your way through dungeons. And this is another game where the dungeons don't really have a very firm place in the world or lore explanation for why they're there most of the time. There's one or two where you kind of get the impression that they are places that could exist in the world. But most of the time, you go back to the Maku Tree, and she tells you to head in a particular direction. And you run your merry ass over there, and you have to figure out some puzzles to get around. And once you do that, uh, you go inside of a hole in the ground, and there's a temple with an essence of time at the end of it.
1: What did you two think about the dungeons?
2: You first well, I first played them in 16 years. Oh. Same. Oh, okay. Well, I, I like the dungeons quite a lot, actually. The uh, construction for the dungeons themselves is very fun. They're very uh, puzzle-focused, but they're not like structurally confusing in the way that a lot of Link's Awakening dungeons can be. Pretty much all you really needed to do was run from room to room most of the time and do puzzles that were in them. And they were fun little brain teasers most of the time. It was a Game full of little brain teasers, and then at the end of the brain teasers, you had to fight the worst bosses in Zelda history.
1: You're talking about the the Goron face one.
2: Oh, I yeah. There's uh, I don't know if you remember this, Crystal, but there is a boss. I think it's of the second uh, dungeon where it is a big rotating face uh, with four sides, and there's three platforms. Mm-hmm that revolve around that face, and you have to toss bombs into the opening on top of the face's head when a specific face is uh, pointing outward. It's only the red face that can be damaged. And if you do any other face, then it will perform some kind of attack and take no damage. And this is a really hateful boss design for me in a lot of ways, partially because you have to spend a lot of time waiting uh, because any of the attacks make it very difficult to get near the boss's head, and partially because the timing on it is so strict, especially when you're uh, in the latter part of the fight where this faces are spinning a lot faster, and especially because it takes four or five successful hits instead of three. If it had been three, I would have hated
0: it, but not hated it quite this much. And it kinda of set the tone. Yeah, that sounds like a fight that really exercises wisdom.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's uh it's definitely uh a fight for the ages. <laughs> okay, good. Good. You okay. died. Yeah, oh shit, god. I haven't actually died to a Zelda boss in so long. But I did die to that thing. Yes, I absolutely did. Like Last time I died to a 2D Zelda boss was probably the first time I played Link to the Past, 15 years ago. But that one, uh, you know, and you know, me losing to something is not an indication that it's badly designed. But I thought it was badly designed, and that bad design did have a lot to do with why it was difficult. But uh, yeah, anyway, so you gather up all these things, and you travel to different parts of the and labren is a little bit different from holodrome in that the locations that you travel to have a much greater sense of place for one thing um, pretty much every dungeon has a setting that's couched in the world and has its own sense of particularness i guess the first or it's either first or the second dungeon you get to you have to find by being in the fairy maze which is basically this game's version of the lost woods and it has like this really really grating theme music so every time you go in there you're like oh christ the fairies are coming to get me and it actually introduces a new sapient species which Mm -hmm. i think that's the first time that's happened in uh a Capcom Zelda, or and any Zelda not made by Nintendo. What oh, about the Minish? There's also
1: the Subrosians.
2: Okay, yeah, the Subrosians. And yeah. the case Well, the Toques were who I'm referring to. Oh. The, but yeah, the Minish, the Minish came like what two years
0: later. Oh yeah, the first one. Yes, this pretty, this would be the first.
2: Yeah, I was just talking about which of them came first. Uh, let's see, so because. The interesting thing about this game isn't so much the moment-to-moment plot elements, because it's very much like you go to a place, you find a thing that you have to travel through time to do appropriately, and then you travel through time, you solve a bunch of puzzles. And moving through the overworld in this game is very dense in terms of... It feels almost like a point-and-click adventure in some ways. Hmm. And... I know that that's kind of a very strongly worded statement, but uh, on your the process that you go through to get to the third or fourth dungeon, the I think it's the Bottle Grotto, um, you have to get a raft to go out to the island that the grotto is on. And in order to get the raft, uh, you speak to the man who's building the raft, and he's like, listen, bring me some rope that won't rot when it gets wet. And you're like, all right. I can do that. And then you go back in time and you find a guy who's researching how to make rope that won't get wet. Or it won't rot when it gets wet. And also he's making flippers that allow people to swim like uh, fish or Zora. I can't remember if he says fish or Zora. And then as you're leaving his house, at least I think it's his house, Ralph comes up and is like, hey, are you looking for rope that won't rot? I heard that there is some of that in our time next to the grave of the guy who has the same name as the guy you were just talking to. And you're like, all right, well, let's go see what we got to do here. So you go back into the present time, and you go off to this other side of the map that you can now reach because you have Rock's Feather from the second uh, dungeon. And you go into the guy's tomb, which is... Sort of like a mini dungeon where you get the flippers and then with the flippers you navigate through a bunch of puzzles and jumping parts and you have to push rocks and everything. And a little bit further in you get the rope. And then if you go back in time and speak to the guy, uh, he'll say, you know, this research is going very slowly, but seeing you for some reason gives me hope that everything will turn out okay in the end, which is a very odd line. Because, of course, you have the fruits of his research in your hands. And then you go to find the uh, raft guy again. And the raft guy's like, give me that rope, and I'll make you a hell of a raft. And he makes you a raft, and he's like, oh, wait, no, I forgot a part. He's like, listen, you can't go sailing without a sea chart. You need a sea chart. How do you get the sea chart? I forgot. I um, don't know. Island chart. Yeah. That's what it's called, island chart. You have to talk to Tingle. That's right. God.
1: I forgot he was in this game.
2: Was Tingle in Oracle of Seasons? I don't think he so. He was not. Yeah. Okay. So, you talk to Tingle, and, you, you, and in order to get up to Tingle, you have to find Ricky, the kangaroo. I think we failed to mention the animal companions at all in the Oracle of Ages episode.
0: Didn't we m- mention, uh, what's his name, the rhino? Uh, the, Dimitri. Dimitri the rhino? Isn't he a Dongo? Yes. He's a Dongo rhino.
2: Oh, okay. Rhinongo So you have to find Ricky Who's a kangaroo Or Moose Can Moose get you Through this part? Moose is later Moose is for getting Through the graveyard Perhaps It's a little bit different In Oracle of Seasons The animal companion That you end up with uh, Depends on The uh, Particular sequence Of events That you do but in Oracle of Ages, you end up doing uh, different ones in sequence. And Ricky helps the kangaroo, helps you get up to Tingle when you find his buried gloves on the beach. And you bring him his gloves, and let lets you ride around in his pouch. And you hop up a cliff, and you go through, and you find Tingle. And Tingle's like, hey, we should be buddies. And Ricky's like, I'm going to be honest, this guy freaks me out, I'm leaving. And that's a real line of dialogue that they have where this guy just talks about how Tingle's weird. And I was like, Ricky, that's
0: fucked up. I mean, he's standing right here. Tingle's heard it all before. I guess so, but that doesn't make it okay. It's okay okay to make fun of Tingle. Is it? It's okay to bully Tingle. No. Yes. Oh, okay, well.
2: And then Tingle gives you the island chart. And then you go back to the... I'm not even halfway through this shit. Then you go back to the guy who gives you the uh, raft, and he's like, okay, you've got the island chart. You can sail out to the sea and find the island that you're looking for, the Crescent Island, I think, or something like that. So you sail out into the wild sea, which you can't swim in with Zora flippers. Uh, This is a game where they differentiate between water that you can and cannot swim in, even when you have the flippers and can't swim otherwise. I guess Link doesn't deal well with strong currents in this one. And so you get caught up in a big-ass storm, and get washed up on this island where a bunch of really cute little lizard people are around you when you wake up and also they've taken all your shit.
1: I like the tokes.
2: Tokes are cute. Yeah, they're cute. It's still kinda assholes. I
1: like the trading quest.
2: Oh, you do? Why?
1: I I don't know.
2: Well, I mean like do you mean like the game's larger Trading quest or the Toke trading quest?
1: The Toke trading quest.
2: Oh, okay. Because see, that's that's the shit to me That's like that makes this sequence like an adventure game. Because you need to get the items in a specific order and use them to clear out specific... Um, use them to clear out specific obstacles and then come back. And there's this little bit where you have to trade back and forth a guy who will hold two items at a time. And you can give uh, your shovel to take the power bracelet or rock's feather... And then eventually you can find some seeds that you can trade to get uh, one of them permanently. And you use that to get through a part where you use both Rock's Feather and the Power Bracelet to... It's this whole just hullabaloo thing where you run around and do all sorts of crap. And it was probably the densest that that particular method of being limited by the environment according to the items that you're carrying has ever been in a Zelda game. And it...
0: It's the wisdom game, and wisdom means following specific rules and instructions. I thought that
2: wisdom meant, like, coming up with wild plans that power fucks with and then everyone dies.
1: It can be both.
2: Yeah, and it's not just the tokei who are in this game, though the Toke are the only new species that I can remember. There's also Gorons and Zora, actually, mm-hmm. and they're everywhere. It's just, that thing we said before where the Gorons have a tendency to pop up anywhere, that there's rocks, that continues to be the case here.
0: The, so, the Zora are interesting because there is an explicit distinction between the Sea Zora and the River Zora.
1: Is this the first time they've been differentiated?
0: I think so. Uh. The, uh, the line is, don't think us noble Sea Zoras the same as those savage vulgar River Zoras.
2: Ugh. That's... That's some uh, loaded goddamn language to use to refer to a Ruto and her dad. Uh-huh.
1: It is strange because freshwater, Zora, the intelligent ones are generally known to be freshwater.
2: Uh, I, both. In Hyrule, they do live in freshwater, but in Termina and I guess Labrina, they live in seawater.
0: Hmm. Yes. And Lord Jabba Jabba is also here. Right. Is it the same Lord
2: Jabu-Jabu, do you think?
0: Well, it can't be, because he guards the Caesars. Right. So it's just
2: an alternative Lord Jabu-Jabu living on another continent from where a different Lord Jabu-Jabu is killed by Ganon.
1: Maybe Lord Jabu-Jabu is a title.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. So who's Jabun?
1: Another title.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. I'll I'll buy all that. That makes good sense to to old Cameron. This game... Uh, Go ahead. What
1: did you think about the dungeon before that, the mermaid's cave?
2: Why are you asking?
1: (laughs) Because I liked it.
2: Well, what about it did you like?
1: It's sort of a Tower of Hera where you have to do some parts in the past and some parts in the present, and the dungeon's different depending on the age.
2: Oh, yeah, so it's got that... uh, Is is that after you get the ability to just flop back and forth without using uh, specific time spots?
1: You have to warp outside.
2: Oh, okay. But you can change things in the past and they'll affect things in the present. Right. Huh. Yeah, that it structurally I think that's probably the most interesting of the handheld Zelda dungeons, which up to this point I had never thought of as being very interesting just for being dungeons, outside of like Equals Tower in Link's Awakening, which was interesting if a little bit frustrating there's a lot going on in this game where the focus on puzzles and structure is very um, advanced i guess compared to other handheld zeldas especially compared to oracle of seasons like crystal you mentioned that the focus between them was different and uh you were not kidding so you go through you help the gorans with their problems which mostly involves moving rocks and you have to God, there's a part where you go down to the bottom of the sea, which is dried out. And that's the last dungeon that you go to, I believe. And the way that you change the world, moving back and forth between the present and the past in this game, I think is probably the most extreme version of that mechanic in any Zelda game. Why do you say that? Because there's geographical changes that you do not get an equivalent to in any of them, even Link to the Past, which before now I would have said was probably the most extreme. you, you, You play Ocarina of Time and structurally everything remains very similar. The places don't change, the stone doesn't change, the temples don't really change, you just can't access them as a kid. But when you travel 400 years into the past as Link in this game, you can see that islands aren't where they used to be or that cities are no longer standing or that the ocean has moved or all sorts of things. It's got some crazy stuff going on.
1: It's probably the the furthest in time that Link has traveled. for centuries.
2: Oh well, yeah, by yeah. far. You're definitely right about that. And it, it like created this possibility space where they could change things a lot more freely and it almost felt like Moving between the maps of two entirely different games, and the dynamic that that created was very cool. That's all I meant. And once you've gathered up uh, all the essences of time, is it before or after you've gathered up all the essences of time that Ralph reasserts his position as potential
0: protagonist? I think he doesn't do anything till you're done.
2: Okay, so you put you put together all the essences of time, and Ralph's like, well. I'm going to go do what I have to- Wait, no. No, no, that's after you go and uh, fight to free Nehru.
1: No, I'm pretty sure it's the mystery seeds, because even though Varen wanted the mystery seeds, they're harmful to her while she's in someone else's body. Right,
2: and it can it can force her out.
1: So, well, no, wait, we already got to saving Nehru. Right, right? but
2: no, no, that's, that's what you do to save Nehru. Yeah. Yeah, you use the mystery seats to drive her out of Nehru's body.
1: And then she promptly goes into the queen.
2: Right, she possesses Queen Ambi. And, uh, let's see.
1: And then Ralph is determined to kill Queen Ambi, even though he's her descendant and would be killing himself.
2: Right. Uh, that he does at the end of everything, I think. Is that how that works? No, listen, hold on. It's part way through gathering up all the essences that, for whatever reason, it's decided we should really go save Nehru so take these mystery seeds which previously queen Ombi had been it's actually how you get the bombs you give her all of your mystery seeds and she gives you the ability to carry bombs because she doesn't want anybody to have any mystery seeds for mysterious reasons and later in the game you come back and of course you collect mystery seeds all over the place trying to keep you from having any as a pointless endeavor and later in the game you come back and you're like listen Vern." I'm going to throw these at you, and you throw the mystery seeds at her, and it doesn't hurt Nehru, but it drives Varen out of Nehru's body, and Varen's like, ah, this sucks, and then she possesses uh, Queen Ambi herself, and Ralph's like, we should really get the fuck out of here, and everybody leaves together, they all manage to escape, and Nehru's fine at that point, so theoretically, the adventure should be over, right? You've rescued the Oracle, which was very much an end game thing for Oracle of Seasons, But in Oracle of Aegis, that's not the entire story because Varen is a very powerful sorceress and inhabiting Nehru's body for as long as she did allowed her to learn how to control time in a fashion very similar to the way that Nehru did. So she doesn't need Nehru anymore. She doesn't fucking need Nehru anymore. Which means that she's able to uh, manifest the curse of the Black Tower and... The higher it gets, the closer it is to the world ending in a really unspecific way.
1: I thought that was just the suffering that the the townspeople had by you know constructing that tower.
2: Just one town worth of people. Yeah. One town is an age of despair. Yes. Sure. Oh, well, yeah. they're despairing. It's not that many people, really people around. Sucky
1: work conditions.
2: Well, I mean, you do want kids, you want them to have better work conditions so that their kids don't say shit like "laughing my troubles away" is just a dream deferred.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, okay, I, okay, sure. So the the age of despair that she's going to bring to this one town, and uh, and it's not clear exactly what that's going to do though. It's not clear why that's such a bad thing outside of that one kid sitting in the dark all day. Um, well, and people, and the people would stop working once the tower's completed,
0: right?
1: But it's never going to be complete. It's just going to be built forever.
0: Is that what it uh, was? Yeah. Oh. It's a data never ends. I um, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That makes that makes a lot better sense. And the population of Lina Village is like ten percent of the population of the world.
2: Yeah, okay, that makes sense. There are more people in Lina Village than pretty much uh, any other settlement. There's more people there than there are Tokay, for instance. And the Tokei Island was actually really interesting. I like that the uh, game gallery that they had in the present... uh, In the past, their game gallery was one where you just threw food at Tokei as they ran by. And uh, in the present, it's been turned into a museum about a game where you threw food at Tokei who were running by.
1: They ran out of ideas on what to put there.
2: Oh, I guess they must have. So you rescue Nehru, and her part in the story is effectively over... And then you gather up the rest of the essences of time. And when you give the essences of time over to the maku tree, it restores her memory. Oh, right. That's why she misremembered. Because her memory is spotty because of magic time bullshit. And uh, it restores the rest of her memory. And she's like, oh, well, anyway, here's a maku seed. Use this to break the power of uh, Varen's curse. And that's what I like about this version of the maku tree. She gets shit done. As soon as she remembers how to do it, she's like, okay, let's do this. And when you break the curse, Ralph is like, listen, uh, I got to go take care of this. And protecting Nehru means killing Varen. And Ralph goes, okay, here's the thing. Uh, we got to stop Ombi and we got to stop Varen and I'm the hero. So I'm going to go kill Ombi because that's the only way to protect Nehru. Cause he only cares about protecting Nehru. Uh, Oh I'll, no, that's not true. He does also care a lot about protecting Labyrinth. Is he ever identified as the royal?
1: He's a noble.
2: He is a descendant of Ombi. Right, but does that, is he like the ruler of Labyrinth? Does does Laberna still have a monarchist structure in the present? No, there's oh, it's a, a republic. mayor. Oh, is, is is that what it is?
0: Oh, okay, there's a mayor.
1: Democracy came.
0: Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get. You. Yeah, they're more they're more enlightened than Hyrule. <laughs> uh, how?
2: problems with representative democracy notwithstanding. uh, Ralph cares a lot about the land and its people, and especially about Nehru, and he says, okay, listen, I, being the hero, and with the curse of the tower being broken so we can enter it, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to kill Varen. And if that means that I kill Ambi, then so be it. But wait, I'm descended from Ambi, so if I kill Ambi, I might disappear. But if I disappear,
0: oh, you know what, here I go. Okay, but if he disappears, that means he can't kill Ombi. Well, no, because he would disappear after she was dead. What do you mean after? Yeah. Are you suggesting there is a meta time layered on top of time? Yes. Yes, I am. Like how the grandma knows
1: that the grandson's dead.
2: Yeah. Or how the maku tree knows that her memory is spotty. Okay. Time in any Zelda game is very strange. Anytime you do time travel in a Zelda game, you can throw rules out the window.
0: They don't give that much of a shit. So Nehru is the goddess of time, and Hilia is the goddess of Meta-time. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're
2: going to go with that for the purpose of this episode. So you run up there, and Ralph, to his credit, actually does start fighting Varen in the form of Ambi. And she doesn't give a shit, and she just kicks him to the side. She's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to kill you. This is my mercy to you. You don't have to die. And then she looks at Link and she's like, you, you gotta go. And then you have a big fight. You have a big fight where she turns into like a big fairy monster. And then also she turns into like a turtle beastie and a spider that yells at you. And they'll forget the bee. Oh yeah, she turns into a big old bee. That was fun. Buzz, buzz. Buzz, buzz. And (laughs) I don't know why she turns into so many animals. I thought that Varen was interesting, but it's also kind of... It's interesting that she turns into all these different shapes that are, like, wildly demonic, but still center around the idea of what Varen looks like, kind of. Whereas Orox just turns into this huge, swole-ass shadow dragon. Very different aesthetic between them. Sure. So, you fight Varen, right? And you win. Because, of course, you do. There's nothing you're going to do in this scenario except for win. And then you kill Varen, and that is when things actually get a little bit stranger. Hmm.
1: Because the suffering of the people four centuries ago lights the flame in the present age. Right. The flame of...
2: Despair? Sorrow? Despair. Yes. Is despair. Is it sorrow? No, despair is the last one. It's it's uh, destruction for Anox. I gotta remember, Jesus. Uh, Anox and sorrow for Varin. Sorrow from that kid in that closet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, so killing Varin lights the flame... Hundreds of years later. And when it's lit, the witches, Twin Rova, Kotake and Koome, are like, all right, now shit's popping off. And this is an interesting bit because there's two different versions of this sequence that has two very different uh, takes on the situation from the same characters.
0: Crystal, yeah, you- There's one very specific line that we'll discuss. Please. Oh, the one. Or Cannon is a Gerudo, or maybe not. Yeah. No, you, you you, tell me about that one, Crystal. Okay, let me bring up the line exactly in this text.
2: Okay, because you need uh, two text dumps.
0: Cool. Yeah, and let me bring up the Oracle of Seasons text up. God. So I can compare it. For, for the
2: listeners at home, uh, Crystal and I had a conversation about this sequence a few months back. Uh, with regards to how the Oracle games do or do not work in the timeline. And we talked past each other in confusion for nearly 10 solid minutes because we both knew for a fact that a particular line was read a particular way. And then we both showed each other with video evidence these two different lines, and we only realized then that this line is different between Oracle of
0: Ages and Oracle of Seasons.
1: Depending on which one is the second game you play.
0: So in both games, Twinrova is referred to as Gerudo. Right. In Oracle of Seasons, as they resurrect Ganon, the line is, Yee-hee-hee, come, come, follow the light of the three flames. Emerge now from the darkest depths. Emerge Ganon, Gerudo King. And Oracle of Ages, uh, the line is... Oh, Ganon is only referred to as an evil king, not as the Gerudo king. Right.
2: Th- this, this is something that came up in our discussion of the Accursed timeline and whether or not the Oracle games could fit on it. Because if they don't refer to Ganon as being a member of the Gerudo, then the Oracle games fit very snugly into how I imagine the Accursed timeline to work where Ganon was never Ganondorf and instead is just a big, scary manifestation of a curse who shows up. But I also have a different question, Crystal. Mm -hmm. What the hell are Twinrova doing in this game?
0: Uh, They want to resurrect Ganon, their son. Uh, Okay, why are they alive? Well, Link never killed them in the Accursed
2: timeline. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Uh, let's set aside the Accursed timeline for a minute. Let's, Let's look at this from the Hyrule Historia timeline perspective. Okay, sure. And this is, this is one of my favorite things about talking about the Accursed Timeline, because this game, in some ways, is weird enough that I don't know if it even works in the canon of the Hyrule Historia. And uh, the specific bit that I'm referring to is that the split, uh, the, theoretically, the Oracle games take place in the Fallen Hero timeline. Mm-hmm. But in the Fallen Hero timeline, Twinrova died and went to heaven. Well, I guess she didn't. That's
0: it? Link never did that boss fight. What?
1: That's why he lost.
0: Yeah, he didn't do it that's why <laughs> that's why he lost sure uh, well no hold oh. on he couldn't get inside ganon's
2: tower if he didn't rescue naburu
0: no in that timeline Twinrova just uh got away she, she didn't die oh
1: Or they built half of rainbow bridge and then he hover booted over
0: guys the whole heaven oh. thing was just a clever illusion guys this is a very serious
2: podcast and a very serious discussion
0: about the lore. and well, plainly, she's alive. Okay. Y- so what are you asking us to th- explain?
1: It's the same reason why Malin and Talon are there. Yeah. They're just there. Or maybe they're a different set of witches named Kotaka and Komei.
2: Uh, mm, okay, but like, this is more calling back to a conversation that we had a long time ago, Crystal, where you were kicking around the idea of whether or not to apply the canon tag to the Oracle games. Yes. Are the Oracle games the last entries in the series where it's super clear that they didn't plan for these to work in the context of the other games?
0: I Look, the only change you have to make is that Twinrova didn't die in that fight. I don't think that's there's Minish Cap too difficult too, to so. swallow. Okay.
2: Minish Cap takes place sometime between... You can finagle Minish Cap as taking place any time before Ocarina of Time, sort of. But if you
1: don't think too hard.
2: If you don't think too hard. Wait, hold on. Why? Did, why? What's the problem with Minish Cap? Just I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll come.
0: Cameron, if you're talking about striking this game from the canon because of a discrepancy so minor as Twinrova didn't die, I don't think I don't think you can do that. Why not? It's It's too easy to explain off. If you can make up an explanation in ten seconds, it's fine.
2: Oh, but there's no in canon thing for it. We never see any of that stuff. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to come back to this shit in the timeline episode, though. Okay. Yeah. Anyway.
0: I don't think it's that big a deal. It's just Twinrova didn't
2: die. I'm not saying any of this to take away from the games. They're fun, good games with a fun story ages much more so than seasons. But I'm just saying, like, they may not fit in the canon as outlined by Nintendo in the Hyrule Historia.
0: Can you name a bigger issue than Twinrova is back?
2: Uh God, I feel like I had a few of these lined up at some point, possibly in the conversation that we had about the accursed timeline, but not off the top of my head. Oh, um, why? when Ganon comes back, why is he the Link to the Past Ganon? Because it's a sequel to Link to the Past. How old is Twin Rover?
1: Pretty old. Like
0: a million? It'd have to be like a million. Right. Okay.
1: I find it interesting that to bring back Ganon, they had to do the whole blood sprinkling thing on the ashes again.
2: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a definite callback, isn't it? Yes. Okay. So, anyway, um, the two two of the flames are lit, and the last flame is the flame of despair, which they plan to light by sacrificing Zelda, because that's just what you do. So
0: yeah, that will causes despair.
2: That will cause despair because you're t- and I think that this is going really far back, but I think that f- was Fujibayashi also the director of Minish Cap. Yeah, he was.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Uh, and insofar as that goes, did he direct the DS games? He directed... He was a co-director on Phantom Hourglass. Okay. So,
2: Fujibayashi is the guy who's essentially behind all the lore developments where Zelda herself possesses this really important power outside of her connection to the Triforce. Yep. Yeah, Okay. And this is the first real indication of that, because theoretically Zelda should just be some girl, but if we see there as being a narrative through line for each of the games that Fujibayashi directs, then it's clear that what they're actually doing is sacrificing the blood of the god. Hmm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So they're going to kill the blood of the god and sprinkle that blood on Ganon's ashes. Is it Ganon's ashes that they do this with? Yep. To... To resurrect the Dark Lord. And you go and you stop him. And you fight Twinrova. And it's kind of like a Game Boy version of the Ocarina of Time Battle. And uh, you kill Twinrova. And Twinrova's like, But we will not go out without completing our task. And with their own lives, they light the flame of despair. And you grab Zelda to get the fuck out. But... Their lives are not nearly as weighty for this ceremony as Zelda's would have been. So Ganon is resurrected by the power of the three flames, and it's like a big badass scary version of Ganon, but without the perfect ritual, the resurrection is incomplete, and Ganon's very near to being a mindless beast. He can talk. Yeah, he can talk, but all he says is like, oh, I must destroy everything. Which is, like, cartoon talk for being mindless.
1: It turns into a Final Fantasy end boss.
2: Kinda. Yeah, if he was, like, waxing poetic a little bit more, he could basically be, uh, what was that thing called? Necrid? No, Necrid's, uh, the guest character in the Xbox version of, no, wait, hold on. Necro- Necrozma? Nec-
1: that's a Pokemon.
2: Oh, that's a Pokemon. Oh, God. What was the name of the final boss of Final Fantasy IX? Use your magic phone. Sephiroth. No. <laughs> no, goddammit. That was the boss of Final Fantasy. My okay, old man. Okay, we're getting closer.
1: Ultimacia.
2: No, God damn it! Necron. I wasn't... Xehanort. A... No, that's the boss of Hyrule Warriors. So, <laughs> Ganon's Necron, or if he was being more uh, illustrative in the way that he talks. Anyway.
0: So, is this the birth of the Calamity
2: Ganon? I don't think so. Oh... No, I'm going to say no. I don't think so. No. Okay. That would be... Because the Calamity Ganon... uh, huh? No, the Calamity is very much thinking. It very much has a personality and the ability to plan. But this version of Ganon just lashes out at things. There's no sense of awareness to it. It fights according to the memory that its body has. It uses a lot of the same attacks as linked to the past Ganon. But it... It's a big scary pig with a trident that shoots fire, but in a lot of ways it's not effectively Ganon. It's just power going on a rampage. Sure. Only without the Triforce. Though I guess Ganon didn't use the Triforce in Link to the Past either.
1: Even though he had it.
2: Even though he super had it.
0: He wasn't smart enough to because he was a dumb pig. Or he was scared of it, maybe. I would probably be scared of
2: it. So, you kill Ganon. Oh, right. That that was the other thing. Is that... Um, Okay, so you kill Ganon, and everything's fine. Uh, Zelda's very grateful, and and was like, "Wow, I should have really been more proactive in making sure that Zelda was okay during this entire misadventure." And uh, the oracles are both really glad that you did what you did. And Ralph gives you all the respect that you deserve because you're the big hero. And uh, you know, each of these games, both of these games happen. Yeah. How? What do you mean?
1: That's what I was going to ask you, actually.
2: Which one? What?
1: The fact that things are different based on which game you play first, which Oracle game you play first and which one you play second. Right. There are distinct events that happen or don't happen. So they so, can't easily both be true on the same timeline.
0: True. I mean, I think the, the events that happen are close enough that they could both be true uh uh in a wide view of things a wide a 10 000 year scale yeah sure uh, I, uh, listen
2: it's if you wanted to say like oh this isn't a literal transcription of events uh and it's just a different telling of the same story fine you can do that that's not what this show is come on
1: there's an event okay. if you if you play ages first and then you play season second there's a significant difference in that Queen Amby is teleported to the present in Holodrum. Holodrum. Yeah. And she's reunited with her pirate captain, Lover.
0: <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. Who is
1: a, a skeleton. I thought he was a skeleton as I a dead so, person, yeah. but he might be a Stalfos. I don't know.
2: Well, that's kind of the same thing in this setting.
1: But they had Ralph. Oh. Or somebody to have an eventual ralph so
2: right they did make they do have descendants though i mean she could have remarried at some no she didn't remarry actually because ralph no okay yeah um because she comes back forward in time into sabrosia which is where the stalfos crew hung out but if you play oracle of ages second that doesn't happen and she's never reunited with him yeah, this is another thing about it, in that the Oracle of Seasons to Oracle of Ages represents a specific series of events, whereas Ages to Seasons represents a different series of events. So if you want to take them really literally, they seem like they have to occur on mutually exclusive timelines.
0: Or maybe the Goddess of Time could combine them like she did with Majora's Mask. Huh. She could. Yeah, I mean, you save you save the bomb lady, but you also uh, save Cafe's marriage. Okay, but I mean... Those are mutually exclusive events.
2: I don't know that there's anything in the text. Now, I just like talking about when there's contradictions in the way things are working. And I think that this is one of the cases where it's like, it's not really a contradiction, but the structure of the games and the way that things will work out differently depending on who you play first does kind of indicate that they are represent different series of events like they are two different versions of the same story but they are two versions that can't occupy the same temporal space
1: so they happen on two different timeline branches
2: yeah because i mean like if we want to interpret them very literally um i guess we could look at the hyrule historia to see which it says happens first and which its version
0: of the canon is but uh what yeah i wonder what does say in the story i
1: think it places ages first
0: well, let's find out real quick. I, really... I do traditionally seasons this place first. Historia does place the adventure in Holodrum before the adventure in Labrina. Okay, so we're
2: talking about the uh, Historia canon version of events. But there is a separate version of events that can take place where Link goes to La- uh, Labrina before going to Holodrum. So I think that you could maybe find room for... Uh, the other version of this in a different timeline because Ganon ends up super dead in, uh, mm-hmm. say, the child timeline. You could place maybe the uh, Ages to Seasons version of this in the child timeline and it almost makes more sense there because is never murdered in the child timeline.
0: Okay, so one of the... So Labrina First is a sequel to Four Swords Adventures.
2: Uh, oh, God. This isn't even getting into the whole, oh, next time we get to do the Four Swords thing. Yeah, it's going to be a sequel to Four Swords Adventure. Wait, no. Ganon doesn't break out of the... Uh, no, this has to come between Twilight Princess is, and is Four Swords Is there Four a Source complete Adventures. Triforce in that game? I honestly don't know. We, we were planning to play through Four Swords Adventures uh, while we were recording the Wind Waker episode. But uh, what, what, what I was thinking is four swords adventures ends with ganon being sealed inside the four sword right or is
0: that yeah isn't that how that works uh yeah i think so so
2: it can't come after that because he's not inside the four sword
0: okay so i guess it's a sequel to uh twilight princess twilight princess yeah but then why does he look like a link to the past ganon i don't know crystal you tell me maybe the triforce i i don't support this theory to begin with why not okay here's my theory One of them takes place in the Accursed Timeline, the other takes place in the Downfall Timeline. No! No, no, no,
2: no, 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 no,
0: no. Both the Downfall Timeline and the Accursed Timeline coexist. See, I
2: think that it fits fine in the Accursed
0: Timeline, because one of the things about the Accursed Timeline
2: is that there's a lot of potential splits in it, and the Accursed Timeline is all about how events and uh, worlds sort of intermingle with each other a lot. Hmm, okay. So, there's a possibility space for that there in the Accursed Timeline. And the Accursed Timeline doesn't have problems uh, swallowing bullshit as it was. It, can, it just has this infinite maw that you can dump things into. It's just that the Hyrule Historic Version of it has more problems. So, which so variation? So, in one of the
0: versions, it branches off into The Legend of Zelda 1, and the other version branches off into Breath of the Wild.
2: Yeah, okay, maybe.
1: So, which variation happens on the Accursed Timeline? Is Uh, it the one that doesn't mention that he's a Gerudo?
2: uh, Yeah, it would be the one that does not mention he's a Gerudo. And then the one that does mention he's a Gerudo is Downfall. Um, The one that does mention he's a Gerudo is because uh, that thing that I said where ideas about Ganon are passed down uh,
0: through dreams. Cameron, he was a desert bandit, canonically, in a good past backstory. You agreed in the Link to the Past episode, or no, in the
2: Ocarina of Time episode, that the Link to the Past backstory doesn't make sense in the Hyrule Historia timeline. Yeah, I still agree with that, but he was still a desert
0: bandit. That's what the story is. We don't bear witness to that. Okay. The story was written shortly before, <laughs> from the perspective of the narrator, shortly before the events of A Link to the Past. Okay. So he was a he was a Gerudo.
2: There are desert bandits in... First of all, Link to the Past doesn't have Gerudo. It has desert bandits who are uh, dudes and are just asshole Hylians or humans. They're just asshole humans. Okay.
1: The Gerudo have been wiped out?
2: I don't know. I mean, the easiest way to look at it is that there is no real timeline and this is all bullshit that we're just talking about. But that isn't the assumption that we make going into these episodes. I don't know where the Gerudo are in Link to the Past.
0: They went they're, away, and they came... They're just off the map. The Gerudo
2: Desert's not on the map. Yeah, we're in a different part of a different desert, and the Gerudo are just much further away. Than that. Yeah. But anyway, so the Oracle games are weird. They're weird games. They are. Uh-huh. Uh, built on weird constructions, but Oracle of Ages in particular is a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. I like it, and the characters in it are cool. Uh, I don't know if I like them as much as I like Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening had a certain uh, tightness to its construction that I really enjoyed. But they're a lot of fun. They're good. They're, they're better than I thought they were before I played them.
0: They're good sequels to uh, to The Legend of Zelda Dreaming Island. I like Link's Awakening better than Dreaming Island. Are you here for some questions? Uh, yeah, I,
2: I don't see why not. Okay. okay uh, where, where are your... Oh, did you post a Twitter call for questions? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Let's do the Twitter questions first. Uh, can you link me to it? Sure. Okay. Oh, these are good questions. <laughs> what? Jesus, God, hell. Okay, Crystal, why don't you read the first of these? Uh, this
0: one comes from Ruth. Does Link ever marry the Maku Tree? What's your take on this, Monica? Yes. Oh. I mean, no. Well, which, which the hell one is it?
1: No. It's Zelda all the way down.
2: Oh, okay. So, what's your take on this, Crystal? I think
0: Link never goes back <laughs> to Librina and the maku tree dies alone. Oh, well, I think that the maku tree, um,
2: after regaining her memory, remembers how that conversation actually went and doesn't hold Link to a promise that he never made, and she goes on to find a happiness in a relationship with someone who can actually give her the things that she needs for the actual length of time that she would need it. Like water? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, if there's, like, a water spirit, sure, but I was... Oh, that'd be fun, that tree and the water spirit. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd like that. Yeah, sure, some kind of water... There's water spirits
0: all over Zelda. Why the hell not? Sure. Or, it's like... Maybe the Maku Tree and Princess Ruto marry each other. Uh, hmm. Instead of Link. Okay, well, I was also thinking,
2: like, maybe she could also just make some Koroks. She just makes some Koroks. Yeah, why not?
1: It's not a fulfilling relationship.
2: It doesn't have to be. You just have, like trees make koroks it's one of the things that they do
1: she wants a partner
2: she wanted a partner when she was a wee baby sapling maybe her what she wants out of a relationship changes maybe she doesn't need anybody to make herself complete
1: but she definitely doesn't hook up with the sleepy macro tree
2: no fuck that guy also they're on different continents or at least he's in a different province of labrenna did we ever decide where Holodrum is it's
0: somewhere you know
1: close enough for a family to move
0: I can bring up some geography if you don't. want me to. There, there's maps connecting Labrina, Hologram, and Hyrule. Oh, I don't want that. Okay.
2: okay. So, this next question comes from Miles, who has seen The Last Jedi. Why does Labrina have its own Jabu Jabu? What's your
0: take on this, Crystal? I don't think it's the same Jabu Jabu. Well, I think Jabu Jabu is just the guardian spirit of the Zora. It's title mm-hmm.
1: Lord Jabu Jabu. It's the entire title.
0: Or you could say that maybe it is the same Jabu Jabu, and he shrank because it was cold, and then he went to a warmer place of Labrina. And got big again. Uh huh. Okay. But then why are the Zora's. Why can't they breathe salt water now? Well, I guess some fish can do both. Can they? There's some fish that can do okay, both. Okay, yeah, there,
2: there definitely are, now that I think of it. Yeah,
0: okay. There's some salmon
2: that do that, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, how about you read this next one, Monica? A Polly
1: Jolly Christmas asks does Link have any prior training with Oracle?
2: Is that like a
0: coding language? I think so. No. Yeah.
1: So in the original uh,
0: Well, it's a it's a data it's a database thing. So
1: the original Legend of Zelda where the Triforce is a microcomputer or whatever.
0: Right. huh.
1: That link probably has training in Oracle.
2: Okay. But this one? No. Okay. What do you think, Crystal? Does Link have training in uh database systems?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Link is very proficient in the Oracle RDBMS. In Japanese, it's actually called the Shrine
2: Maiden database system. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how he stores his items, I guess. Oh. It's like a Homestuck thing.
2: Oh, okay. Like the very good webcomic Homestuck. Okay, yeah, okay.
0: Uh, there's another question. Oh, yeah? This comes from Rawl. There are Ocean Zoras in Librina as opposed to River Zoras we see in Labyrinth, Holodrum, and even Hyrule around this time period. What do you think about the idea that the Hyrulean Zoras migrated from Hyrule to Librena? What would have caused them to do that? Now, this does present an interesting alternative, which is that the River Zora of Hyrule became the evil River Zora of Librena.
2: Um, I do mm, Hold on, could you walk me through your idea one more time?
0: The River Zoras of Hyrule became the evil River Zoras of Librena.
2: Okay, but where are the Ocean Zoras
0: coming from? The Ocean. They just spontaneous out of it. No, they were just they were just there. Oh, okay. Because what, what they've been there, the River Zoras migrated in, and they became evil. Because what Rawl is putting forth is the possibility that the Hyrulean
2: Zoras migrated to Labrina, right? But they didn't become evil in doing so.
1: Well, if they were the same freshwater ones.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. I, 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 see what Rawl is both saying. River that Zoras. they turned evil after they went to. Oh, okay. Oh, that, that's what I'm well, saying.
1: Well, this takes place. In the the Fallen timeline, where, you know, the packs really fell apart in Hyrule, then I suppose they decided, you know, we're out, also screw all Hylians and humans, and became very hostile.
2: And they just spit fireballs at everyone? Uh Uh-huh. They're isolationists. I think that this is just one of those strange things about the Oracle games that don't have a very good explanation. But um, if I had to look at it from a canonical perspective, um, it's not so much that they migrated as a whole. Most likely there was an offshoot group that developed differently over time in a new environment. So most of the uh, freshwater Zor remained behind in Hyrule, but this offshoot group went off to either a different region of Hyrule or over to Labrynna and then started shooting fireballs at people. Why? I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe it was actually just like... A, uh, a subspecies of Zora who shot fireballs at people and uh, they were ostracized and they left.
0: So, but if the Zoras were around in Labyrinth 400 years ago, that can't be too long after Ocarina of Time. I don't see why not. I mean, how, how long was Ganon stuck in the dark world? Uh,
2: hold on. It's re- We agreed it was to the tune of centuries and
0: also really unclear. Right.
1: A few generations. 400
0: years sounds about right. I, do you... So what are you suggesting? I'm suggesting that the 400 years ago era is very shortly, if not contemporaneously, with Ocarina of Time.
2: I see. Um, no, I, I think I think that Zelda timelines deal with large enough gaps in time that there isn't really any problem uh, getting things to work in this particular facet. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. Okay, Um, we do actually have a mailbag question, Uh and this question comes from Alex. Do you think there's some force in the Zelda universe that ensures only Zelda hooks up with Link? Everyone is either killed, turned evil and killed, shunted off as a sage, or just steps aside because they realize it's fate. Marin is a dream, Sia gets killed, Lana just plays supportive fangirl... Malin steps aside. Fuck you, Alex. Uh, Saria, Naburu and Ruto get saged. Ilya just watches Link leave the village. Mifa gets killed. Did I miss anyone? Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, Alex does uh, miss Midna here, who uh, goes to a different dimension.
1: She pieces out as strongly as possible.
2: She does. She's like, man, y'all keep y'all's devil. I'm going home. And, uh, I, oh, God. What's your
0: take? Uh, on... They they miss Sidon. Oh. About Sidon, uh,
2: hmm. have you played the Champion's Ballad?
0: I have not. Oh, okay.
2: Well, there's actually a little bit of, uh... you know, what I'm not going to say that it takes away from the idea of Sidlink Link shippers. That still works pretty good. Um, so that, so Breath of the we, we we can discount Breath of the Wild for the sake of this because Breath of the Wild leaves a lot more shipping options open than yeah. the average Zelda game. Yeah.
0: Though, uh, Alex also misses the item girl from Skyward Sword. Empire. Oh, yeah, fine. The, the only character who canonically promises to show Link her ass. That's true.
2: <laughs> she is the only one who will get naked for Link. Uh, so, is there some force in the Zelda universe that ensures only Zelda hooks up with Link? What's your take
0: on this, Crystal? I don't think Zelda's ever hooked up with Link. Oh, except for that one time in Skyward Sword.
2: What oh I like that there's the one time where it's so aggressively canon that it's impossible to ignore. There's a kiss right. at the
1: end of the Oracle games.
2: Oh, is there?
1: Yes, there is. Um,
2: right, yeah, there is a kiss at the end of the Oracle games. There, that doesn't mean anything. There's also the kiss at the end of Adventure of Link. And that one... Yeah, that also doesn't mean and there's anything. There's all of the little hearts that float over them while they kiss. What?
0: That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean
2: anything. There's no such thing as visual storytelling in an NES game. Uh, Wait, hold on. How does... Then why why is Skyward Swords romance canon, but those two aren't? Because there's a lot more to Skyward Swords stuff. Okay. Uh, what about uh, what? Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this bullshit. Uh, what about Link Between Worlds, where Zelda spends all of her time just daydreaming about the hero?
0: Let's well, daydreaming about the hero, and then she lives out the that's exact not the same as the Link that is in front of her.
2: She does refer to Link as my hero uh, during the final battle even before she's rescued. Well, that's just a statement of fact. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know what? Okay. So we've got Crystal's take on this. It never happens except for that one time in Skyward Sword. What's your take on this, Monica?
1: You know my take on this. It's Link and Zelda all the way down. Forever. Forever.
2: Nonstop. Each one. If Link shows up, Zelda's there. Yes. And they're going to hook up. Yes. Okay. So... That's true in every version where Link and Zelda are in the same game. Yes. Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the NES games. Yes. Which one?
1: Probably the older princess, I suppose, because of Adventure of Link.
2: Okay. Uh, what about Link to the Past? Yep. But he leaves uh, and does the Link's Awakening thing. and He, he comes just... back. Does he? Sure. Is that the... Oh, okay. Hey, is Zelda in this game different from the Zelda in Link to the Past? Yes.
1: I don't know. If it's the same they, they have link
2: different as different designs. That doesn't mean anything.
1: If it's the same link as the Link to the Past, then yeah, it's the same Zelda who looks like Marin, or Marin looks like her.
2: Because uh Crystal, I remember you mentioning the possibility that Zelda just has a sister who's also named Zelda. Yeah, because she doesn't recognize you. She super doesn't recognize you. And she looks different. Impa doesn't recognize you either, but you never really meet Impa in Link to the Past. Yeah, you never met right, Impa. I don't know. <laughs> okay maybe
1: so, it happens on a different timeline then okay
2: okay but uh, but they still hook up okay um uh, my take on this is um there is no force that ensures this um because occurring of time link in the child timeline canonically hooks up with Malin and continues to carry on uh Epona's horse breed and I disagree uh, and link. And Link in Twilight Princess is descended from Malon and Link. And that's why he has a Pona. And, uh... Now, there, there's no force that does this, just sometimes it plays out that fucking way. Are Link's parents ever referenced in Twilight Princess? They
0: absolutely are not.
2: And that's actually one of my very favorite things about that game.
0: What if he wasn't born? What if he just appeared? Like, they just find him in a basket, or...? Yeah, they just find him in a basket in the woods. His house oh, no, is no, because who from would raise him? No, he he just appeared. That's like a as a thirteen year old, huh? Because
2: I I do definitely
0: see uh, Russell as his adopted father,
2: but yeah, um, maybe maybe Link in this one is actually a child of no, because Link shares blood with the hero's Shade. Uh huh.
1: I still like the interpretation where it's a bit looser. What do you mean? It's... It's my son in the figurative sense. Oh, I see. Yeah.
2: What if... Uh, you just like that interpretation because it leaves more ability to deny the idea that Link and Malon shacked up. No comment. Just because Link is a cowboy
0: doesn't mean that Link hooked up with Malon.
2: That is the only canonical possible explanation
0: for I, Link I being feel a like, uh, I feel like the hero's shade maybe implies that Link died alone. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he didn't have anyone to. He pass had no on one to pass his stuff on to, onto, which means he never had children. He never had a
2: child of age to pass on one's skills to. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean he never had one; just that they never came of age. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit more in the Twilight Princess episode, but I think probably the hero Shade did die fairly young, not as young as Link was at the end of Ocarina of Time, being seventeen or eighteen. Because he does end up quite a bit taller, but still pretty young. Unless everybody just keeps getting shorter in Hyrule. But no, that doesn't work because. It's It's like
0: the opposite of real life.
2: Yeah. Wait, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like, nutrition gets progressively worse since the Ocarina of Time age. So they keep ending up shorter and shorter. What the hell is this? (laughs) It's a conversation about. Faded checking uh, link always Link hooks up with Zelda. Oh, no, it's not literally, and it's not decreed by fate. I don't think even you would say that it's decreed by fate. It just happens.
1: I mean, it's kind of
0: faded. Oh, for
2: fuck's sake. Okay, so we've got uh, two against and one for. Uh, that's how we're coming down on this particular issue. <laughs> so uh, next is a question from, uh, is this Law? Flower? From Pee Wee. Which animal companion is the best, and why is it Ricky? And then an addendum, Dimitri is also acceptable, but fuck Moosh.
1: I like Moosh.
2: Okay, first of all, how dare you attack my fat son?
1: <laughs> Moosh is a blue bear, a blue fat bear that flies with tiny wings. Itty bitty wings. And therefore is the best.
2: Oh, okay. Now I wouldn't go that far. I like Dimitri because I like dinosaurs.
1: It's a dudongo.
2: I'd probably go with Moosh. Rhinocerosaur.
1: Dodongo.
2: Yeah, Dodongo Resort. Moosh is a good pick. I I like Moosh. Moosh is good. Um, I'm actually not a huge fan of Ricky. Ricky's kind of an asshole. He's always like, Oh, I couldn't beat up this boxer guy even though I'm a strong boxer kangaroo. Could you, like, go beat him up with your fist for me and get my gloves back?
1: It's a little bit weird how you ride in his pouch.
2: Why is that? Uh Just
1: just a little. I mean, Because that's
2: where it's supposed to carry its babies? Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. And, And that's fine. Honestly, it's fine.
0: Do do male kangaroos have pouches? Um, Well, no,
2: but most male kangaroos aren't sapient.
0: Okay. So, so Ricky's canonically trans.
2: You know what? Sure. You could say that. Yeah. Either Ricky's trans or is like a uh, member of a species where male kangaroos do have pouches, like penguins have little pouches to cover up their eggs. No penguins have pouches. What are you staring at me like that for? Do penguins have pouches? Yeah. Emperor penguins, the males, have pouches uh, near their feet that they use to cover up the eggs to keep them warm. Okay. But anyway, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, you can definitely read Ricky as trans because it's supposed to be female kangaroos who have pouches, but still, Ricky's an asshole. Fuck Ricky. Yeah. We're all about- Ricky's a piece of shit. All, okay. I see what you're doing. But mostly we're about moosh with a side of Dimitri over here. Yeah. Okay, uh... Crystal, could you take this next one?
0: Okay. This comes from Jasmine. What would you do in your own Oracle of Blank as a third game where Blank isn't secrets? Any ideas that have percolated since you last played? Well. Uh, Okay. So if Seasons is based more on exploring uh, a wilderness environment and Ages is more focused on interacting with characters, then what would a third game be focused on?
1: I see it more that Seasons is more hack-and-slash-focused. Sure. Power-focused. And then Ages is more puzzly wisdom-focused. So okay, Seasons would be courage-focused. I don't know. There's a lot of invisible paths or something. That's terrible.
0: Maybe it's a horror game. Oh.
1: The only Zelda game I don't play.
2: Yeah. Um... I don't know what I would do with a third Oracle game, because, I mean, how many original games was it that you said they had planned for? Six. Six. I have no idea what they would have done with six games, because I have trouble coming up with what a third one would have been. Now, granted, they're a lot more creative about this crap than I am, but I feel like the Oracle games, as they are, make a pretty complete package. In fact, I'd almost argue that Ages by itself is a pretty complete package. So it's like they've got most of the ideas, and Ages is the most fun to play of the Oracle games, and I don't know what other focus they could come up with that wouldn't take away from what makes these games engaging. I don't want them to come up with another mechanic where you change the environment in really specific ways to change how you move through it, because that shit gets tiring after a while. So a horror game? Yeah, so a horror game on the Game Boy Color. Yeah,
0: make a horror, horror game. game lots of lots of redents yeah
2: and
1: wallmasters.
2: oh fuck yeah wall masters yeah it's just a like a fucking wall a thon
1: and root
2: and Ru- oh no okay yeah root so yeah i guess it would have to be some kind of horror game uh maybe something that feels a little bit like the ancient cistern from skyward sword maybe yeah yeah that could be cool oh shit now i'm just gonna start writing fanfic Err, monica you read this one
1: Mothy asks what was up with the ending of Phantom Hourglass? Was the world in that game real, or...?
2: No, that, that's the end of that particular question. Okay. Um, I, I've got a different question from Mothy pasted beneath that, so...
0: Yeah, the world of the Ocean King is real. Is it? What makes you say that it's real? I assume everything's real until proven otherwise. Well, the,
2: the ending of the world of, the ocean, uh, of Phantom Hourglass plays into some very specific tropes, um... That imply that it's a dream, because for when you return and Tetra's like, "Why didn't you idiots come looking for us? We've been gone for weeks." And uh, Nico's like, "You, you've been gone for ten minutes." Right. It could be real, but that doesn't imply time dilation, but not dream. And the world kind of goes away when the Ocean King resumes his real form.
1: It's a type of real.
2: So you're saying it's like a pocket universe. Yes. I don't I wouldn't even say that. I'd say it's a universe. It's a place. So are you ejected from it when the Ocean King regains his form or
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't really remember. He kicks you out. I mean you see Oceus in the ending. You do. He's a big whale. With eyebrows. Yes, his eyebrows are the coolest. Oh,
2: man that's a weird game. Very weird game. Phantom Hourglass is good though. Okay. Uh Mothy also writes since you talked about how it started as a Zelda 1 remake, did you notice all the dungeon bosses came straight out of Zelda 1? Yeah, I did kind of notice that, especially with the Dodongo fight. It was a much more expanded version of it. Um, I will say that I didn't put it together in that sense until Mothi wrote that in. So thanks, Mothy, you've expanded my understanding of how the Oracle games still carry on that legacy. What about you two? Did y'all see anything?
1: I didn't notice.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know that I know it's any particular Zelda One elements. Oh, well, it, it,
2: structurally the fights are very different, but um, there are elements of the boss designs themselves that are very much lifted from Zelda One. Uh, and I think we've reached the end of our questions. I hope that uh, our listeners will send in more mailbag questions for the next one at Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com because. Really, I love the mailbag segments. It's fun just to uh, bullshit for a while.
0: Yeah, mailbags are good. Send us questions. We love them. That's bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Book
2: of podcast at gmail.com. Cameron, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at CamRider on Twitter and pretty much nowhere else. Monica, do you
0: care to share any, any places? No, don't look for me. Okay. <laughs> Find me Arcane Crystal on Twitter and uh on entropy.com on the Let's Place podcast. How's Let's Place going, Crystal? oh uh, we have a live show coming up. That's right. Is that a PAX South? That's a that's a PAX South on Friday, January twelfth, at eight thirty PM in the Pickle Theater. January twelfth. Holy shit, that's only like two weeks away. N- yeah. Oh, are you excited? Uh huh.
2: Huh. How big is the Pickle Theater? Uh, I I don't know to think you'll get to do that whole thing in front of potentially many 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 people no pressure yeah is the episode going to be recorded and put up on the internet yes it will okay that's cool is this one of those ones where luke picks out what games you'll be doing beforehand
0: or uh well luke will be picking out five random games but we're only expecting to get to two.
2: Oh, because of time constraints uh-huh. oh, okay. we only have one hour Oh, you're not going to go like, okay, we have to do it for real season, finish in an hour. Yeah, oh, that would make for a very different dynamic.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to hear a joke? Yes. Oh fuck. Uh, this comes from the ZeldaUniverse.net forums oh, no. from user. Uh, their name is a bit difficult to pronounce. I'll just spell it out. Ampersand LT semicolon EMC ampersand GT semicolon. Uh, uh I should read off their signature size equals one signature by myself size sig sig sigpick size equals one size size equals one super decimal and lemonese the mods that bullied my naive 13 year old self when i first joined i will never forgive you size is this bullying
1: <laughs> this, that sounds like an account <laughs> yeah. that somebody forgot to go back to and and delete from the internet
0: yeah uh, this post is from november eight 2006 okay Question. Why does Navi get easily stressed? Why? Because Link will never listen. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, okay. It's bad. that ooh.
2: <laughs> That's bad. I'm glad you enjoyed that. And I I'm still gl- like that, yes. No, you like that? Yeah. No, you can't be on the podcast anymore.
1: I like bad jokes.
2: Oh, yeah, we do. That's just the part that I was really looking forward to. Okay. Okay. That's the end of the episode.
0: That's the end of the episode. I'm going to hit the stop button.